Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. Tonight, we're going to talk about the extravagant love of God. The extravagant love of God. John chapter 3, verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. Read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Skip down to verse 35. It says, The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He that believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he that believes not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The message version says it this way. The one that God sent speaks God's words. And don't think he rashes out the spirit in bits and pieces. The father loves the son extravagantly. He turned everything over to him so that he could give it away. A lavish distribution of gifts. That is why whoever accepts and trusts the son gets in on everything, life complete and forever. One of the things we see about the love of God in the scripture, it is characterized by his giving and generous nature. The love of God is characterized by God's giving and generous nature. Simply, God loves, so he gives. God loves, so he gives. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And as always, if you want to follow along with me in my notes, you can access them on the YouVersion Bible app under the live events section. And subscribe afterwards to the Faith Podcast so you can get this message for free or you can download it at FCCGA.com. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. For the last six weeks or so, we've been looking at the generation that died out in the wilderness and the generation that entered in and possessed the promised land. And so we've said over the last few weeks, the book of Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. It's pretty much two long messages or sermons from Moses right before he dies and right before Joshua takes over and takes the generation into the promised land. And so the first part of Deuteronomy, he's giving a recap of everything that has happened in the last 40 years. He says in verse 6, For you are a holy people unto the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you are more in number than any people. For you are the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, And because he would keep the oath which he swore unto your fathers, has the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. The Living Bible says, verse 7 and 8, this way. He didn't choose you and pour out his love upon you, 
because you are a larger nation than any other, for you are the smallest of all. It was just because he loves you and because he kept his promise to your ancestors. That is why he brought you out of slavery in Egypt with such amazing power and mighty miracles. The message version says it this way. God wasn't attracted to you and didn't choose you because you were big and important. The fact is there was almost nothing to you. He did it out of sheer love, keeping the promise he made to your ancestors. God stepped in and mightily bought you back out of the world of slavery, freed you from the iron grip of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know this, God, your God, is God indeed, a God you can depend on. He keeps his covenant of loyal love with those who love him and observe his commandments for a thousand generations. Now, when we look at the King James Version, it says, set his love upon you. This phrase is also translated to delight in and to cling to. So they said he set his love on you. He poured out his love on you. He delighted in you. It also means he, to cling to. In the previous weeks, we talked about how God was telling Moses, he said, I heard the cry of my people in Egypt. I have come down to deliver them and bring them up to the promised land. That's what he told them in the burning bush. But the thing is, God didn't come down, deliver them, and leave them. God came down to deliver them and clung to them, stayed with them. Why? He loved them. And as you keep seeing in this scripture, he said, I didn't pick you because you were big and important and he had it all going on. You had nothing going on, but I picked you because I loved you and I made a promise to your ancestors. Now, what was the promise he made to the ancestors? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 37. Let's look at how that promise is described. He stayed with Israel because he loved them, and he made his, their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a promise. Now, why did he make that promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Chapter 4, verse 37. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them and brought you out in his sight with mighty power out of Egypt. He loved Abraham, he loved Isaac, he loved Jacob, so he gave them a promise. And because he loved the children that came after them, he brought them out of Egypt. God brought them out of Egypt because he loved them. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 8. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 8. He brought them out of Egypt because he loved them. He came down to deliver them, clung to them, stayed with them because he loved them. When you go through the Torah, you see everything God is telling them to do, every sacrifice, every weird description of a garment, everything you see in the Torah was for one purpose, so God can dwell among them, so God can live with them. They were still in a sinful state. Jesus had to come and wash away their sins. They couldn't receive the Holy Ghost. They couldn't be baptized in the Holy Ghost. God couldn't live on the inside of them. But because God loved them, he moved to the middle of their camp. And he says, if you keep doing all these things, I can stay here and my holiness won't destroy you. Everything God did was because he loved them. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 8 says, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which I swear to, unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. That word set is also translated given. It says, behold, I have given the land before you. I have given you the promised land. Why did God give Israel the promised land? Because he loves them. The love of God is characterized by his giving and generous nature. He loved Israel, so he delivered them and gave them the promised land. The promised land stayed on the horizon 
for the first generation because they did not believe that God loved them. Even though God made amazing promises, even though he loved Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and go through the generations, even though he loved that current generation, they did not cross the horizon and possess God's promises, God's best for them, because they did not believe that God loved them. How do I know that? Go to Numbers 14. Numbers 14. Numbers 14 takes place after the 12 spies come back and 10 of the spies give an evil report, a report of unbelief. Joshua and Caleb, of course, give the report of faith, but they don't want to listen to them. So here's a response for the entire generation in the wilderness. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness? Wherefore has the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? They said, God brought us here to die. In Exodus 17, 2, they said God had brought them out of Egypt to kill them with thirst. They did not believe God loved them. They believed God wanted to kill them. The reason why they died in the wilderness, when you get to Numbers 14, God says, fine, you can have it your way. You said you want to die, you want to die in the wilderness, you can have what you say. Your words are important. They did not believe in the love of God. They wanted nothing to do with God. You see, failure to believe in the love of God will keep you from possessing the promises of God. Failure to believe in the love of God will keep you from possessing the promises of God. God had already given them the land, but they never received it because they did not believe that God loved them. It wasn't like God was, I'll give you the land once you cross over into it. He says, I've already given it to you. All you have to do is cross the border. It's yours. I'll help you from there. But they didn't even cross the border they didn't believe God loved them. Numbers 14, verse 11, and the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be it or until they believe me? For all the signs which I've showed among them. He I delivered them from Egypt. I did all those signs and wonders. I judged Egypt. I provided them in the wilderness these last two years. I've done sign after sign, miracle after miracle, wonder after wonder. I've appeared to them. They've seen me on the mountain. They've seen all these wonderful things. Even the leadership saw me on the throne. I've done all these things. How long till they stop provoking me? Now, we think of the provoking, okay, they're just agitating, irritating God. But when you look at the definition of provoking in the Hebrew, it means how long will they despise me or how long will they hate me? God loved them, but they responded by saying, God, we hate you. Imagine what that did to God's heart. He says, I loved you, so I came down to deliver you. I stayed with you because I loved you, and you respond to my love with hate. Not only did they not believe in the love of God, God defined their actions as hating him. How many people live under a mentality of God is living to punish them and does not love them? Not just people outside of the church, people in the church. You can ask Christians do you believe God loves you? Oh, yes, yes, God loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. They mentally assent to that. But in their everyday life, in their heart, they really don't believe it. 
And he asked him, yeah, God can't love me because I did this, because I did that. I knew I was wrong, but I did it anyways. God can't love me because I did this. God is angry at me. God is mad at me. God wants to punish me. So in their mentality, they have the same mentality as the children in the wilderness. God is trying to kill me. That's where that mentality goes. God's always trying to judge me. He's always trying to get me. You can't pray and believe to receive from God if that's how you think God is. Why would you even want to get close to him if you think if I get close to him, he's going to kill me? And so what do they do? That mentality goes on and on, and the heart becomes hard, and eventually they hate God. And they begin to do things far from God, even though they once believed God. And you wonder why certain believers just go wild after they leave church. Their mentality has changed. They don't always believe in the love of God. God chose you because he loved you. Just like he chose Israel, he chose you. He gave you promises because he loved you. Failure to believe in the love of God will cause you to question his motives. Failure to believe in the love of God will cause you to question his motives. When God says very clearly in the New Testament, do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. People say, oh, God is just trying to ruin my fun. Okay, you're questioning his motives. If he's telling you not to do something or do something, it's because he loves you. And if you do it, it will turn out for your benefit. But too many Christians question God's love. They may say it out their mouth. They may sing the song. But on the inside, they question the love of God. See, God chose you with a purpose. His call on your life is a manifestation of his love towards you. Whatever God has called you to do, is where you will find the greatest fulfillment. The provision is there because that is a place that God designed because he loved you so much. Go to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. The provision is there because it is the place that God created you to be because he loved you so much. So stop saying, God, I don't want to work there. I don't want to do this. It's not going to work out for me. No, it is going to work out for you if that's the place God's called you to be. Why? He created that place for you because he loved you. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. The prophet says, The Lord has appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness. Have I drawn thee? The message version says it this way. I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. Go to Psalm 136. Expect love, love, and more love. See, when you see it in King James, Jeremiah 31, verse 3, that phrase loving kindness is the Hebrew word hased. Hased is translated as mercy, loving kindness, and steadfast love. Hased is the idea of faithful love in action. And often in the Old Testament refers to God's loving kindness expressed in his covenant relationship with Israel. God's hased denotes persistent and unconditional tenderness, kindness, and mercy. 
It's a relationship in which he seeks after man with love and mercy. It is a covenant love with obligation, generosity, loyalty. This word shows God's strength, steadfastness, and love. And so this word mercy you're about to see in Psalm 136 is the same word her said. What does the psalmist say? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him alone that does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endures forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. To him that smote Egypt in the firstborn, for his mercy endures forever. Now he's talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness in the promised land. And brought Israel out from among them, for his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand, with an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endures forever. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. To him which smote great kings, for his mercy endures forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endures forever forever and all the king of Bashan for his mercy endures forever and gave their land for our heritage for his mercy endures forever even a heritage unto Israel his servant for his mercy endures forever who remembered us in our lowest state for his mercy endures forever and has redeemed us from our enemies for his mercy endures forever who gives food to all flesh for his mercy endures forever oh give thanks unto the God of heaven for his mercy endures forever So he's describing everything that God does and everything God did for Israel as a result because his mercy endures forever. The message version says it's because his love never quits. The New Living Translation says his faithful love endures forever. The NIV says his love endures forever. So he said everything God did for Israel, he did it because his mercy endures forever and because his love never quits. Human love quits. Human love has an expiration date. But God's love never quits. It's characterized by his generous and giving nature. And he says he did all those things because he loved them. And we know from Galatians 3, we are the seed of Abraham. We already saw in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. So we're in that covenant of loyal love as well. He does everything he does for us because his mercy endures forever. He does everything he does for us because his love never quits. He sent Jesus to die, to go to hell in our place, to be raised from the dead, and ascend on his right hand because his love never quits. He sent the Holy Ghost to live on the inside of you and rest upon you because his love never quits. He made you promises all throughout the Bible because his love never quits. He called you with a purpose because his love never quits. He anointed you for this life because his love never quits. He gives you wisdom because his love never quits. He fixes mistakes you make because his love never quits. Even though you've messed up and went to a low place, he brings you out because his love never quits. He heals your body because his love never quits. He provides and meets your needs because his love never quits. He gives you the desires of your heart because his love never quits. He gives you richly all things to enjoy because his love never quits. He protects you from the enemy because his love never quits. Heaven is your home because his love never quits.
His love never quits. Go to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. His love never quits. Why is this so important? In order to experience God's best for you this year, in order to not to leave things on the horizon and to possess the promises of God, you have to believe in the love of God. Galatians 5, 6 says, our faith worketh by love, or is made efficient or effective by love, or our faith is fueled by love. If you want your faith to work, you have to have a strong belief in God's extravagant love for you. No buts. Not saying, well, I did this, so I'm excluded. No, he loves you. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less or any more. It's settled. He loves you. Get used to it. It's an unconditional love. It's not some timing. It's not petty. God loves you. How much does he love you? Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in the midst of thee, is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over you with singing. How much does God love you? He sings about you. God, the Father on the throne, can sing. And he's singing over you. You know, we've all seen those love stories, those movies. We've read the books where the people are so in love, they break out into a musical. They're singing all these songs about their love. And we're like, oh, that's cute. That's Hollywood. That's Disney. That's not real life. But it's real in heaven. God loves you so much, he breaks out into song over you. Psalm 32, verse 7 says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall compass or surround me with songs of deliverance. God loves you so much, he sings over you, and he surrounds you with songs of deliverance. There will be times you're going through something, but all of a sudden a spirit-inspired song comes from your heart. Maybe a song we sang at church. You may have forgot the words, but all of a sudden it comes from your heart, and it deals with your situation. Where is that coming? The Holy Ghost, because he loves you, and he's singing to you right now. And if you pick up on the song of the spirit, you'll experience the deliverance you need. See, songs have prophetic power. When Moses was leading the children out of the wilderness, Deborah broke out into song. Moses began to sing. And they began to sing about what God would do in the future to get them the promised land. If they would have remembered that song and sang that song of their deliverance, they would not have backed away from what God promised them. You need to keep the song of God in your mouth. You need to keep the song of deliverance in your mouth. You need to keep the song of God's love in your mouth. God is singing over you because he's madly in love with you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He loves you extravagantly. John 17 tells us he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. He loves you. You have to believe that love. Even if you run into something that's like, I don't even know the scripture for it. But I know it's going to work out because God loves me. John tells us in his writings, we must believe the love of God. It's not just to know it here. You must believe it. You must have faith in it. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing the word of God. You must hear about the love of God all the time. Sing about the love of God all the time. 
So it's your constant mentality. As I've told you before, we sing to my daughter every day, Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells you so. Why? We're not wanting her to grow up in a mentality of religious fear that God's out to get her. We want her to grow up in faith knowing how much God loves her. That the first revelation she ever gets is Jesus loves me. You have to have that mentality that God loves you. He did everything he needed to do. You just have to respond to his love. See, people have a misunderstanding about God and his word and incorrect theology. They think it's their sins that drag them to hell. No, Jesus paid for all your sins. The only thing that sends people to hell is rejecting Jesus. And not making a decision for him is the same as rejecting him. So what are they rejecting? God's love. God did everything, showed his love. They said, God, I'm okay. I don't want it. And then they sent themselves to hell. God only sent one man to hell. That was Jesus. Everyone else sends themselves. They reject his love. Don't be like the generation in the wilderness. Believe his love. Possess the promises God has for you. Because he loves you. Say, God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Say, God loves me extravagantly. God loves me so much, he sings over me. He surrounds me with songs of deliverance. God loves me so much, he's given me a promised land. His love never quits. His mercy endures forever. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go ahead and lift your hands and thank him for his love. Come here, David. Go ahead and lift your hands and open your mouth and thank God for his extravagant love towards you. for you it never ends my love for you it never ends doesn't matter what you've done or what you say
singing over you right now. And with every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.